Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi, guys. We'll actually put Sylvie back in the hot seat to talk about her original tech side hustle, InSize, and her new plus-size clothing brand, Danny Marie the Label. But first, I want to introduce you to someone who we've actually turned into a feminist. <laughs> Hi, James. Welcome, James. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm happy with that intro. <laughs> I've always been a feminist. But there you go. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, James, uh, you guys don't hear him, but he has a uh, edited the majority of our episodes here on the Female Founders Network. He's been our chief editor. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I hear you've heard a lot and, and learned a lot about women. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I've listened to every episode. So <laughs> I'm the resident expert here. And yeah. look, look, I'll take over. Look, that's, that's what I've learned. <laughs> um, no, it's been absolutely incredible. I've learned so much and I've had the privilege to not only learn from you two, but bear witness to like all these incredible women who have like in their own way overcome so many struggles. Mm. Um, it's been absolutely a joy of my life. Oh, James. So James. thank you. And mine as well. It's been amazing, like working together and like listening to all these stories. And yeah. um, for all our guests, James was the engineer for a lot of them. And Laura, say hey, Laura. Laura's recording this one. <laughs> in- insert, insert hey soundbite later on. <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to put you um, put you on the spot for one second. Okay. And ask you what your favorite episode was. Oh, my favorite. You know what? The ones where you don't, like, I don't want this to come across bad, but the ones you don't expect to be really, really good, where you, you hear a story or, like, this little this little nugget of of wisdom and you go, and it's something that sticks with you for, for such a long time. Like, mm. I think... My favorite one was the one I did quite recently. So this is, this would be a while ago for the listeners, but it was the one that actually helped me out uh, a lot. Was the uh, cranberry juice episode? That one yeah. was surprisingly incredible. Oh, I had yeah. no idea. With Christine and Erica, Erica, Erica yeah. and Christine, yeah, Cranel, yeah. Cranel. I, yeah. I like. I don't want to throw her under the bus here, but I, I've got a girlfriend, um, and. Yeah, it was extremely helpful for her. Oh, I, yeah, I bought so them and it was just like, oh my God, it was a lifesaver for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've got my supply of Cranel at, at, at home. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Oh, and the girls from Lovely because I used their flowers to buy my mom for her birthday <laughs> recently. Yeah. So everyone has helped James become a more considerate male. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I buy Laura, flowers and, and cranberry and juice. Yeah. 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 Oh, so happy. Um, well, thank you so much for being our chief editor, and it has been a joy. Thank you so much. It's been uh yeah, real joy of my life, and I, I can't thank you enough for the for the opportunity that you you've given me for this. Aww, oh, James. thank you. No tears. Okay, now so back to me. To <laughs> Sylvie. Um, so yeah, so in this episode, um, we will actually have Sylvie share her insights, um, share what inspired her, and how she started these two plus size fashion businesses, her key learnings, and how to build a community, work with influencers, and make a clothing line a reality. 
Hi, guys. We have a really particularly beautiful send-off for Sylvie because mm. she's doing <laughs> cool stuff. And Think has cool launched, <laughs> yeah, cool stuff, and has launched a really cool business. So today I'm actually going to interview Sylvie Hall. Yes. So oh, I'm Sylvie Wilson. Sylvie Wilson, <laughs> yeah. Still... No. Back in the hot seat, but as a different version of myself than last time, the married me. I still call you Sylvie Hall. Everyone does. Even my husband calls me Sylvie Hall. Like he'll put my initials <laughs> as SH. I'm like, hello. Aww. <laughs> I'm SW now. You have, you've had two nice names. I, I feel it's they're both really nice names. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, okay, so yes. tell us about what you've been doing as this podcast has been unfolding and everything else. What have you been doing? It's so funny because every guest we've had, I've definitely been asking them questions for my own benefit about <laughs> how they did something, what they didn't want to do, like advice. And um, I really hope that actually that has helped people listening because it's been my first-hand experience and struggles which have really kind of, you know, like inspired the questions that we're asking and why we want to do this podcast in the first place. Yeah. And basically, my story is that for the last couple of years, I have been running a plus-size e-commerce site called insize.com. And Insize is now an app as well. And it's basically evolved into a social network for plus size fashion. Yeah. And it's a place where people can find inspiration from other plus size users, see what people are wearing, what they're buying, what they like. They can um, create collections of items from multiple different brands um, and and basically just all follow each other. So it's a website that is a multi-brand site. We actually have relationships with all of the brands. So if someone buys something, we earn a very, very small commission, I have to add, because since COVID, like a lot of big brands have actually cut that side of their business. Yeah. but yeah, so Insize was kind of born from um, an idea my sister and I had about how there was a gap in the market serving plus size consumers because yeah. they're wi- widely ignored in fashion. And one of our eventual plans with having Insize, which is really like this amazing company of data of like what people like and their preferences. We don't want to be a Facebook where we like sell people's data or anything like that. But we we are looking at what people are liking. And the reason is because we want to create products that people can't currently find or that they are kind of edging towards so that we can basically make the perfect plus size brands and clothing lines that that really satisfy a need in the market. Yeah, can I can I pause you for a second? Mm-hmm. So why plus size fashion? You're you yourself are not a plus size woman. No, I'm not. Um, so why did you get into this? What was the passion? Like how did why did you start in the first place before yeah. you started this platform and then all of a sudden like it's yeah. you got <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, why? So my sister um, is a plus-size woman. She's Uh a size 18. And my sister has always struggled to lose weight. And basically the backstory is when she was seven years old, she had a brain tumor. And it was a really rare one. And it was quite devastating for her um, and her recovery because when they removed it, they actually caused some sort of, well, I guess, like internal problems, which meant that her... Um, puberty was starting age seven so my sister had a lot of hormone therapy and treatment to to basically stop this puberty from coming to place but what that meant was that she then put on quite a lot of weight and then has ever since like struggled to lose weight so when people say like oh obesity is such a problem people just need to like get on a diet like for some people that is not actually 
a reality right. like it's yeah. not actually that easy right. and then for a lot of other people like the more that you tell someone to lose weight and diet the more that they actually ha- hate and self-loathe and then self-soothe with food and it just yeah. becomes this like cycle of feeling like you're unattractive and low and like you're like bottom of yeah. the barrel and what I loved about when we interviewed Virgie Tova um, yeah. a few months ago was how she talked about the experience of being a plus-size woman in today's society and yeah. how that makes you feel. And honestly, like, my sister's experience, not being able to find clothes she liked, being plus-size, seeing other people that in the community were struggling yeah. and really being a kind of, like, you know, a woman's advocate and, like, yeah. wanting people to feel confident in their best self... The reason that I wanted to do this business with my sister was I want all women to feel confident, attractive, good about themselves. And the small way that we can do that is by creating an inclusive space where you can shop and feel good and not feel like you're marginalized or like you're outsized or like you're a freak or some stupid, you know, like how, how society has made a lot of people feel um, for what being is, different. What is the obesity rate in the UK? It's it's lower than the US, yeah? It's, it is slightly lower than the US. It's actually, so the most recent stats um, I've seen is that 63% of um, the UK female population are plus size, which means they're a size 14 or more. Okay. And in the US, it's 71%. Okay. And in Australia, it's 62%. Okay. So actually in a lot of these countries, like like, like US, UK, like these big markets, uh-huh. the majority of consumers are plus size. Wow. Yeah, most brands don't even touch clothing for them. Yeah. And... I know, I can kind of see why now that I've got into my latest business, which yeah. we'll like get into, yeah. um, that's Danny Marie, the label. And that is because for a lot of smaller brands, yeah. I'm not excusing big brands at all, but for a lot of smaller brands, if you want to like re- launch a brand, yeah. then every size that you add becomes very expensive okay you especially can't just go from like someone if you're doing size grading on a size eight right you can't then just size up from there because you have different proportions at different weights you can't just like add on two inches like that's not how it works so there's a there's more of an expense there um i think that society views fatness as lazy as unattractive and it's not something that some brands want to associate themselves with and I that's that seems to be the the kind of the feeling before but they're actually shooting themselves in the foot because the plus size market is growing so rapidly and the actual demand for plus size clothing is is a lot higher um they even released some data recently about pandemic retail and how plus size is still growing whereas other retail is kind of stagnating a bit so yeah I knew there was a problem I looked at the the market research and like was really digging into the data and, and, you and saw that someone. there was an opportunity yeah and, and you I love, watched yeah, yeah, I love you watched someone, yeah yeah and I like I'm not as like tiny like stick thin woman and I think even people who are very tiny and fit the ideal mm-hmm. perf- perfect body I say that with um air quotes because there's no such thing like it's bullshit to say there's like a perfect figure it's just it's it's an illusion it's not real um but every woman every person I know has issues with their self-confidence and their body image and the way we talk about ourselves and the way we talk to ourselves is awful and I know that this the plus size market is like a segment of this but 
I just, my big mission, my overarching mission is that we actually just feel good about ourselves no matter what we look like. And there's a kind of neutrality of our bodies and we don't think of our bodies as like being good or bad. It's just our body, whatever it looks like, but you can feel good and confident in yourself. Yes. So that's, that's the inspiration. I'm going to give you one little. Passionate. Yes, yes. I love this. I'm going to give you one little tidbit that I've never told you before. Hmm. Um, there is the oldest known sculpture of a woman yeah. in the world is from Austria. I learned yeah. this in art history class back in 2002. Um, but I never forgot it because she is the Venus of Willendorf. And it says it dates from 28,000 to 25,000 BC. But that was obviously the ideal woman there. She is a full-figured woman. Yeah. And she symbolizes fertility. Yeah. And she's got, like, if you look at her, she's she's has these massive breasts and the, this big belly, you know, yeah. from, like, birthing children and things yeah. like that. So that used to be our ideal. Yeah. When we were tribal humans back in ancient times, we're, we're like, you know, worshiping these Fatness women. Fatness as well. Yeah. It was wealth. It yeah. was a symbol of wealth. And it's really interesting how women's bodies throughout history have different fashions. Yeah. Like there's um, the um, Renaissance artist Rubens who, who famously painted large-bodied, like full-figured yeah. women. And then as it's funny how we could get onto the whole like feminist issue of women's bodies and how they're fashionable <laughs> and how a shape can be fashionable. But even just looking at like 10 years ago, tw- well, 12, 15 years ago now, gosh, God, showing my age. But um, <laughs> the whole like stick thin double size zero was the trend and everyone wanted to be like that thin. And Ugh. that was what I grew up in Ugh. the era of. And it was awful be like comparing myself to that and that was even before Instagram so I'd, I'd hate for that to be the, the fashion now but now it's kind of like another unobtainable body type which is this extreme hourglass figure of yeah. the big boobs tiny tiny waist yet massive ass yeah the, the Kardashians have popularized yeah you know the last time we did this it mm. was during the freaking Victorian era guys yeah. <laughs> they used to break women's ribs to try to make their waist smaller you yeah, guys of we've gone it's... back <laughs> we've gone back why are we doing this it's so true yeah anyway moving on yeah so so yeah fatness for like for whatever reason now is associated with all these negative connotations which is a a problem in society we need we need to kind of you know stop like treating people's bodies like like this and talking to ourselves in this way But yeah, so InSize has been growing in popularity. We've been seeing really good growth. It's been a really exciting time to grow that side of things and have this social network and build a community. And if there's one thing that I would definitely advise, um, and I think, think that we have been doing right, it's that while building a brand and working out what we wanted to do, we built a community and have this like really, really strong and personal and deep connection with a lot of our followers. Like... There's people on different scales. Like there's some people that I personally speak to every day when I'm interacting on, on, um, on Instagram or Facebook on our social media, and then there's the, the people that you you know you kind of have a bit of a connection with. But by having that basis, mm-hmm. it means that you've just got such a stronger brand and like kind of jumping off point and platform to launch something from. Mm-hmm. So I think if like you're exploring an idea in whatever industry or field it is in 
build a community on social first. Yeah, yeah. Put, put together some content, speak to people, build relationships, find out what they like, find out what they don't like. Yeah. It's really powerful. It's yeah. helped us a lot. And it means that every time that I want to like promote something now I've got like 50 women who are in my community that will happily share the content um because we're we're friends we get on it's like you do that for a friend we're just friends online and friends through the business but it's um and I and I support them and it's like a a very likable person too (laughs) if you were if you were a dickhead I don't think that you'd have such business (laughs) success but (laughs) but even like through through an app, like through a kind of brand of of insides, yeah. like they're, they're seeing me kind of, but it's very much like communicating through that. So absolutely, yeah. So anyway, we always really wanted to use our information and what we could see people were talking about, like when they join our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. One of the questions that we ask is, "What's your biggest problem with plus size fashion?" Right. And we now have almost five thousand members in this group, so I've got five thousand answers to this question of mm-hmm. people saying this doesn't fit right, um, it's all made to make me look 80. I don't feel fresh, I don't feel trendy, I don't feel sexy, I feel like I'm just in a sack. All yeah. of these words started like popping up like quite regularly. And we This thought, is what I feel about maternity fashion. <laughs> I can relate to this so hard. <laughs> you look lovely. Oh, you You've bought some so. really nice dresses recently. <laughs> you just want it, but that's the thing, like you just want to feel good. When you have a nice outfit and you've yeah. done your hair and you feel presentable and you feel like you've you know, you look good, you feel good and you feel more confident. Yeah. And it's really important. And if you don't have those options as a plus size woman, right. then you it's just like a kind of or vicious cycle really where yeah. you just don't feel good about yourself. So we started to realize that we had this kind of common theme of what people were asking for. And I ended up just doing a survey basically and we had a thousand people answer it we had all the people joining our website and was saying, it global it was to the u.s okay yeah so um we like have a the biggest um kind of audience base we have is in the u.s okay and just asked like what kind of dresses do you like what do you like pockets do you not like pockets like all yeah. of these questions and started to get all this really great data and even just seeing what people were like choosing on the website and decided to launch our own brand so so okay how did you do that <laughs> and we just launched our own brand <laughs> yeah I always hate those those feel and then we just did this like no no it's still very much a work in progress but we um th- well the first thing I wanted to do was come up with a name so that we mm-hmm. could you know have this personality so I thought about who are our target audience who am I speaking to on my, on the socials for the, for insights, who who's the biggest cohort that we have that I can create a brand for right now? Uh-huh. And it was a woman who is this is like the target persona. Yeah, it's the person who is um, lives classic styles, loves to go for brunch with friends, is a millennial, loves like feminine dresses um, that are classic but modern, that are fitted but not tight. Yeah, and that just loves to host and be sociable, and is a friendly and bubbly person. And I realized that I had this like this brand idea of, of who this person was and who we were going to create products for. And then the name was actually really easy um, because my sister is called Danielle Marie Hall, mm-hmm. so the brand is Danny Marie. So it's actually named after her. Oh, um, and she, she's 
it sounds like a cool name after like you can overcomplicate a brand name but you basically just want to make sure you can get a url like the domain <laughs> name and that you can get the instagram handle yeah. so it's danny marie the label because dannymarie.com was taken yeah. but the label is like you know it's our brand what did she do when you told her that you were naming your label after her um she got all embarrassed but then was like so happy oh, and she she's wearing the dresses now and is like i've got a dress label named after me like she's like because i'm kind of leading it um and leading the business side of things and all the development um although she is like a part owner and like involved with everything beautiful um but she yeah she's um she loves it so it's nice to like Aww. nice to do that and have that kind of personal touch as well yeah and I think we've spoken about this a few times in the podcast with some some of our guests is that when you have your personal story and you've got a brand story behind what you're doing it just makes it so much more real and authentic that right. people can connect with it yeah so I thought it's perfect name we've got this persona what next um, the brand design. So I went yeah. and reached out to a graphic designer called Steph, Steph Adams Creative. Everyone that's um, looking for someone that was awesome. She did our <laughs> logos and um, and our color scheme and like basically built this whole brand around um, what I had presented as this persona and what the dresses and the, the products were going to be. Yeah. And it was awesome. But she gave us like four amazing logos to choose from. So I actually put them to our Facebook group and said, guys, vote yeah, what's, what's yeah. your favorite you choose the logo so I actually had the group involved and the community involved in the creation of the brand so and like fun. making yeah so it was really fun so I feel like there's a bit of like ownership there as well yeah um and it made it easier for me because then I was like I don't know which one to choose you, you guys choose it and then yeah <laughs> yeah yeah logos are really hard and like the visuals of your new company are always really hard mm. and then I feel like a lot of people like start to go with one and then they're like oh we should have done this other one yeah <laughs> so now there's no ambiguity like this is what they wanted this is just it this is yeah. what people asked for yeah so so yeah so then we had a brand and then we needed some clothes so <laughs> so we had a brand we had a name <laughs> what about the clothes so there's two ways that you can start a fashion company and yes. one is to buy wholesale and to find suppliers and get designs and basically import things that already exist right or you can design your own clothing, which is more of an expensive way of doing things. Um, but then you get the exact prints and patterns and shapes and of the dresses that you want. Yeah. Now, I was very conscious that if I did wholesale, then it could be available anywhere. It could be on eBay. It could be on yeah. Amazon. It could be available for like half the price that I was going to sell it at and I didn't want to be in a race to the bottom with price. Yeah. So and I really wanted to create something unique. That was reason one. Reason two that I wanted to create something unique was because we had all this data and feedback from what people wanted from from a dress and how they wanted to feel in the dress, what their insecurities were on their body. Like a lot of women are really self-conscious of their stomach and their arms. So yeah. it had to be dresses that were really, you know, flattering and, and made you feel good and confident wearing them with those insecurities in mind. Yeah. So I knew that we were going to have to design our own collection because nothing in the market that we were, I saw, not that I was interested anyway, was going to satisfy this. Yeah. And then when you have something unique, then it's actually just, you know, a lot. It's You've got something new to add and new to offer to the market. Yeah. Um, so um, 
interviewed some designers, found one who was awesome. And um, she used to live in Bali and actually had opened a factory there with by a family-run factory. And so I knew that she was paying ethical wages to the staff there and they had good working conditions and it was just a really awesome setup. And it also really then helped with our supply chain because I'd found this this person that was a designer and the production in yeah. one. So yeah. for our first drop, this is um, how we've been how we've been working. And then we basically worked together on what the designs would be. I, I gave some briefs of what we wanted. And then we had samples made, did some fits, did a number of fittings because it was really important to make sure that when it's actually on a person, it mm. looks good. Yeah. Um, and then they went off to production and we got the first run of the products from the production and did a photo shoot here in Sydney, which was really fun. And I used two professional plus-size models and one lady from a Facebook group, um, and she was awesome. Like, they're all absolutely amazing, and they all had completely different body types. Yeah. So we were able to show what the dresses look like on different bodies so that you can actually see that it's not just for hourglass shapes, it's for every body type. And, like, if you've got yeah. a big belly, this is what it's going to look like on you. And that was yeah. really important to be able to represent um and yeah and then we we had all the stock in um being produced and um we just launched last week so it's um it's been a real roller coaster very like yeah. highs and lows but um we we started selling and we had a couple of sales but then I was telling you this last week I was like I just thought we'd get more like I right thought off we would the bat, off, yeah yeah cuz cuz I've built this community and I'd like done all this work like like done all the legwork but I one of the things I have learned from this launch is that I didn't I I rushed into just launching the website with just the product images and I hadn't sent anything out to influencers yet ah. so Social proof is so important and we yeah. speak about it a lot. And as a marketer, I should have known better. But yeah. I just thought because if we had the social proof with our app that people would just like jump on it. Do you remember when we spoke to Yen, um, Japney, and mm -hmm. she had built her e-commerce brand from um, doing like influencer promotions and stuff like that. Yeah. She actually said that one of the things that she did when she first launched was ask everyone who abandoned car why they abandoned their car. Yeah. And I remember her saying this and thinking, oh, this is a really good tip. Anyway, I've been doing that. Yeah. And I've been like reaching out to people and be like, hey, you, you abandoned your car. Like I was just wondering what it was. And some people have been like, oh, just I was just looking around, but I wasn't sure like... Um, it just seems like a new brand and that kind of thing. And I was able to offer yeah. like, a discount code and like try to get them to trust. But it's just really, it really amazed me. Like when you are so involved in your brand, uh -huh. you know everything that's gone into it, you know the quality, you've felt it, you've touched it, you've like been through the whole process. Yeah. Your perception of your brand and your products is that it's this like super thing like why would anyone not want to buy it yeah. but for everyone else that hasn't been involved they just don't know so you have yeah. to give them every single touch point and trust point possible mm -hmm. so that they can reach that conclusion as well yeah that's been a huge learning for me there's so much there it's it um I think the statistic that I read recently was that consumers are 80 percent more likely to buy from user-generated content. So if you yes. had an influencer posting and genuinely saying, this is my new favorite dress, this is my go-to dress, it is never leaving my closet, mm -hmm. like that they're 80% more likely to believe you and want to buy than if you say it yourself. Yeah. 
isn't that but then I kind of get that because it's yeah. like it's that word of mouth it's that referral from someone that you know and trust like yeah. especially like influencers who have built up a really personal relationship with mm-hmm. their followers yeah like they share everything so you yeah. know everything about their lives you feel like you know them personally those are the ones that I've seen have the strongest I mean it's um, how Kim results. Kardashian became Kim Kardashian she started pumping product <laughs> No, seriously. Well, I mean, there are a couple steps before that. But, you know, she really built her brand by Mm. pumping product. And and she made a couple missteps in the beginning. Yeah. Step ups. But then she was really careful after that on what products she chose and everything else. And if you look at, like, the Kardashian-Jenner brand, Mm. they're very careful about their products. Yeah. And people trust them. But when you also think about how much you know about the Kardashian-Jenner lives. Like, you've watched the TV shows. You know what they're posting. You know every single detail about their personal lives. You feel involved. Like And you don't have to love them. No. But you know they have good taste in makeup, right? (laughs) Like, or you know... So you're like, well, okay, that's probably a good suggestion. You know, even though I can't necessarily relate to this person or that person, Mm -hmm. I know they know their shit. So I'm going to go with (laughs) what they say. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah, it is. And that's... That is a key thing. And I think what I've also noticed in in this launch, and we haven't even launched a couple of weeks at the time that we're recording this, so I'll be really interested to listen to this back when it's <laughs> a few, a few months, months on the in. track when, yeah. um, when, we, um, when we actually go live with this episode. But yeah, a lot of influencers I thought would just want to charge all the time. But if they actually like really like the look of your products and you, you're doing something quality, like everyone that we're working with bar one person yeah. is happy to do something on a gifting basis because yeah. they they just want to help support and also they like it yeah so they, don't, they don't feel like it they, it's authentically them I think that's a that's a really key thing so it's they say there was the golden age of influencer marketing there definitely was and it was back in 2014-15 when it was before people realized they were being sold to. By yeah. yeah. But, but having that like key trust is necessary and also not paying loads and loads of money and then expecting to get sales and getting an ROI on the influencer partnership because it's mm. more than just, a, it's not just a sales channel. It's also a branding channel and yeah. it is a big brand play and it's also content that you then get that you would otherwise have to pay a photographer and a model to do. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, it's it's really, really valuable to have influencers posting about you. Brand marketing is a win-win-win, and it's it's a win-win-win. Yeah. Small brands get it. Big brands ne- don't necessarily a lot of times, unfortunately, but it's just a win-win-win. I also remember, if I can remember correctly, because that's um, not – quite then but really like 2017 I was still doing my influencer marketing like my influencer feed for yoga yeah and I did I had like 15,000 followers at my peak yeah wow um and I did all kinds of stuff for free things like free yoga like pants and like it's just it's fun like you're going you need to create the content anyway yeah you know, and it's I and I guess um, the value wasn't necessarily there. Like influencers weren't aware of their value the way that they are now. Mm, you know, exactly. so maybe you know. But yeah. I was like, oh, cool, free yoga leggings, and they've got sharks on them, and this is awesome. Like, of course, I'll pump your brand and help you out. Yeah. Whereas now, like, if if someone so many influencers now even like really small like micro influencers they've got agents and as soon as they see they've yeah. got an agent I'm like oh no like I've got to negotiate now <laughs> <laughs> for 15,000 followers what? <laughs> yeah and it's, yeah. it's just it, like in, so this I will say this like 
it's not worth paying someone a thousand dollars if they've only got like fifteen thousand followers. Yeah. Like that is not a good deal for you, no matter yeah. how good their content is. Like you, that, you yeah. shouldn't be paying that kind of money for a collaboration at that level. You you want to think about like what's your cost per impression? What mm-hmm. what are you getting from the content? How many pieces of content are you getting? How long can you use it for? There's a lot of different things now happening, uh-huh. and another thing I would say is even if you're speaking to someone and you are gifting them an item have a contract with them because you need to have it in an agreement where you know what you're getting from the fact that you're sending them a dress yeah and it might be that they just do a story but you need to know that they are just doing a story otherwise if you've got expectations that you're going to send a dress and you're going to get a real a story and like three posts from it and then they don't do that, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And they're going to be like, hello, you just sent me a dress. Like, what is this? Yeah. So I yeah. actually have been sending contracts to everyone. And I'm so glad I did because I had a miscommunication with someone last week where she thought I was just sending her a dress. I thought I was sending her a dress for a post. But luckily I'd done this contract for her to sign yeah. so that we, we caught it before I sent her the item. Yeah. And then she was like, actually, I don't do just gifted for posts that you'd have to pay me okay and I was like I can't I can't afford to do that but I'm glad I caught that then and not when the dress is already at her house and then you just feel like cornered and it's sending gifting items is still an expense to your business because it's the opportunity cost of the sale yeah so you need to make sure that you're working with the right people who have got an engaged audience and who are going to post what you need them to yeah um yeah. You need to follow these people for a while before you're engaging them, I think. And mm. and just listen to their content too. Like some people, some influencers out there, they will just kind of promote anything. Yeah. And you definitely don't want to do that. You definitely want it to feel authentic and be someone that you enjoy watching. Yeah. You don't want it to feel like your item is part of an ad. You want it to, even if it is an ad. You want it to feel like it's part of what they actually want to be wearing or selling yeah. or, or or actually use in their lives because that authenticity is where the most trust comes from. Yeah. And where the most trust comes from is where the most sales come from. Yeah. And I would even challenge to say, like, I've seen some celebrities do sponsored posts and do them really terribly. Mm. Like, truly terrible. So they've got these massive audiences, but then it just looks so cheesy. And it's just, yeah. And you're like, (laughs) oh, I know they got paid a bunch of money to do that. Yeah. Who gives a crap? I'm not even going to pay attention. But then you've got some micro-influencers who've got, like, 15, 20,000 followers or whatever. Mm. But they are just so careful and authentic and you know yeah it will just say things and you're just like oh okay I really believe that person yeah over like this other person who's really famous that's the thing like so nano influencers and micro influencers and nano influencers are anyone between one and five k followers on Instagram Uh and micro influencers are between five and fifty and they have the highest engagement and are the ones that most brands are actually reaching out to work with at the moment, like smaller ones. Huh. Um, if Maybe I should reboot it after I lose this baby weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do like postpartum yeah. yoga. Yeah, postpartum <laughs> yoga. I really should actually. <laughs> like Be show perfect. the journey from like third kid to yeah. like back getting your, your core strength back. Totally, that's this. an authentic story. You see, like that's people yeah. tune into that. They want realness. Um, yeah. And that's that's one of the key learnings I've had like it'd be funny actually to like record a year from now on it's the first of March today like the first of March 2022 and see yeah. where we're at <laughs> yeah you know what's so funny on back on the the 
topic of body issues. Mm-hmm. I actually had this idea the other day because mm-hmm. I had, okay, so when you are a yoga influencer, you have a bunch of male followers mm. that aren't necessarily there for the yoga. Yeah, well, a lot of plus size followers are male and they're definitely not there for the fashion either. So there's a lot of like fetishism yeah. going on. There's, there was some stuff going on. I, I would get yeah. some interesting messages, some interesting <laughs> things would happen sometimes. Um, but, you know, it's that's part of it. That's part of what, um, unfortunately, influencers deal with every day. Yeah. Um, but I had this idea... Um, you know, I had my last post before I, I fell pregnant, um, and I used to just post casually on there once in a while, like, different fitness things, like, just honestly, like, once every six months after I quit using it for my influencer purposes. Um, but I had an idea to post, like, put on the same outfit. Mm. that It was, like, like cutesy little shorts and, like, a little crop top or whatever that yeah. I'd, I'd posted in last and just have my big pregnant belly. Oh, my God, yeah, And do be it. like, if you think this is beautiful, but this isn't, yeah. then you need to reassess your ideas of what beauty is and yeah. what 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 makes women valuable, yeah. you know, to you because there, totally. there are just so many men that like, you know, or, or even women like who, who would be like, oh, yeah, she's so whatever. Mm. And then she like when you're, you know, nine months pregnant and tired and <laughs> like ready to have a baby, mm. just view people differently or, you know, if yeah. you're a different size, view people differently. Yeah. And, and I think we need to confront that. So many women obviously gain weight from pregnancy mm-hmm. and like can go up like three, four, five dress sizes and then feel so low about themselves and because of the way society views weight and fatness, like you, you're a failure for putting weight on. Like, hello, you just like made a kid. Like there's so many reasons <laughs> what, how on why you can have fat and like that's the thing and what we said with Virgie Tova and one of the things that we're, we're doing with insides and also with Danny Marie is fat is not an insult it's just what you have like it's not a thing it's like yeah. you have fingernails you're not a fingernail yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's the same with fat like you have fat exactly like it's not a it's it's whatever like I just think everyone deserves to feel confident everyone deserves to feel special we are all unique. We're all like special humans. We're all alive. It's it's amazing. So everyone deserves to live every day feeling good. Yeah. And that is the main inspiration and driver behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm really excited for it. And um, yeah, we'll see how it grows and how it goes. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that you're doing this, um, that you are sharing body positivity, that you've created a line to help women feel beautiful at plus sizes. I but you're like so matter of fact about it Mm. you know it's like you yourself have never been a plus size woman but your empathy and your your research and your your um you know journey like helping your sister and loving someone who has been through that journey their whole lives has given you this like particular viewpoint to be able to serve this audience and Mm. I think that's really beautiful yeah no I really relate because I think I think anyone who's had body image issues and like Who's, which is everyone. Like, which is everyone can <laughs> can relate to what that feels like. So to to feel like this being a straight size, like where I'm a size 12, you know, like it, it's not, it's not, it's very middle of the road, very average, as they would say, but to feel that... She's an size, Australian size 12. But there is, there is fat phobia and there is a lot of um, discrimination against fat people that, yeah. people do with maybe not even realizing and the way that we talk to each other and I I do want to raise raise awareness of that the same way I want to raise awareness for other social issues so um yeah it's 
it's been amazing it's been a real journey it's actually really helped me with my own body image issues to be part of this community and and just just think positively about my body and what it does rather than like trying to look a certain way so right. yeah but yeah, yeah. yeah really excited for these clothes they, they do look so beautiful on and um I'm yeah it's it's been it's been amazing and uh, like very up and down very stressful some days like I was despairing to you last week wasn't I and then like <laughs> today I feel better I, it's just something that you just have to keep trying everything out one of our guests Shelly said that for every problem there's a solution it's so true I've got I'm just keep keep going <laughs> just keep swimming yeah. just keep swimming but yeah anyway thanks for uh, this very well it wasn't even that short an episode in the end but it was a um it's nice to be on the other side of the mic again and tell my story. Well, thank you for being my co-host and for showing up every week with <laughs> me and talking to all these amazing women while you're building your own amazing business. It's been a joy. Yeah, for me too. Thanks, guys. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.